Welcome to the Addiction in Emergency Medicine and Acute Care podcast. Why does this topic matter? One person in the United States dies from a drug overdose every six minutes. We as healthcare providers must do better to treat addiction, prevent overdoses, and improve the lives of our patients and their families. This podcast is designed to provide you with simple and evidence-based information on substance use disorders that you can use to take better care of your patients on your next shift. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year, and welcome back to another episode of the Addiction in Emergency Medicine and Acute Care podcast. Dr. Casey Grover here once again as your host. Before we start, one little bit of housekeeping. As of January 1st, I have taken over as chief of staff at my hospital. I have been able to put out two or more episodes of this podcast per month since I started, but I will have a bit more on my plate as chief of staff. So, I will try my best to continue with two episodes per month, but please forgive me if I only get one out per month with my new duties as chief of staff. All right, let's move on to the episode. In this episode, we will be talking about delirium tremens. We, as you've heard me say before, like to keep this podcast evidence-based, so I dug into the literature as I was researching this episode. And fortunately for me, there was a review article from the New England Journal of Medicine on delirium tremens that we will use as our evidence-based guide for this episode. The article is entitled, Recognition and Management of Withdrawal Delirium, parenthesis, delirium tremens, and parenthesis, and it was published in 2014. Mark Shuckett was the sole author. The author begins with some basic statistics about alcohol. The opening statement is rather profound, quote, at some point in their lives, 20% of men and 10% of women in most Western societies will have an alcohol use disorder, End quote. Furthermore, the author notes that about 50% of people with alcohol use disorders have symptoms of withdrawal when they reduce or stop their alcohol consumption. In 3 to 5% of these patients who experience withdrawal, seizures or delirium tremens will develop. The author moves on to highlight that physicians have not received adequate education in the diagnosis and treatment of substance use disorders. The author then moves on to discuss alcohol withdrawal specifically. The article begins with mild and moderate withdrawal, which we have covered on this podcast previously. We will hit the high points for a quick review. Alcohol increases activity of the inhibitory neurotransmitter GABA in the brain, and depresses the activity of the excitatory neurotransmitter glutamate in the brain. With repeated drinking, the brain downregulates GABA receptors and upregulates glutamate receptors to try to maintain homeostasis. When alcohol consumption is stopped, it leaves the brain in a state with not enough inhibitory GABA activity and too much excitatory glutamate activity, and this is experienced as withdrawal. The author notes some common symptoms of alcohol withdrawal, insomnia, anxiety, increased pulse, increased blood pressure, increased temperature, and tremor. 
Withdrawal symptoms begin within eight hours after alcohol levels decrease, peak at 72 hours after alcohol levels decrease, and are improved by day five to day seven after cessation of alcohol. The author then moves on to discuss the use of the CWA AR scale and its role in assessing the severity of withdrawal and guiding symptom-triggered treatment of alcohol withdrawal. Feel free to check out the article to review this section or go back and listen to episode 15 of this podcast, which provided an overview of alcohol withdrawal. Now, one quick note on the CWA scale before we move on. And as a reminder, CWA AR stands for Clinical Institute Withdrawal Assessment of Alcohol Scale Revised. The author notes that scores on the CWA AR scale range from 0 to 67. Scores under 8 indicate mild withdrawal. Scores between 8 and 15 indicate moderate withdrawal. And scores over 15 indicate severe withdrawal. It is important to note that patients with severe withdrawal are at risk of progression to seizures and delirium tremens. And here the author moves in this paper to discuss delirium tremens specifically. Delirium tremens may also be called alcohol withdrawal delirium, and I will use both terms in this podcast episode. Now let's start with how to diagnose delirium tremens. The author defines delirium as a rapid onset fluctuating disturbance of attention and cognition sometimes with hallucinations. And delirium tremens is delirium along with alcohol withdrawal. Patients can develop delirium for multiple reasons. It is only when patients who are experiencing severe alcohol withdrawal also develop delirium that we call it delirium tremens, again also known as alcohol withdrawal delirium. The author moves on to highlight the DSM-5 criteria for alcohol withdrawal delirium, and let's go through them. Patients have to meet criteria for both alcohol withdrawal and delirium. Here are the criteria for alcohol withdrawal. There must be a cessation of or reduction in heavy and prolonged use of alcohol, and there must be at least two out of the following eight possible symptoms after reduced use of alcohol autonomic hyperactivity, tremor, insomnia, nausea or vomiting, transient hallucinations or illusions, psychomotor agitation, anxiety, and generalized tonic-clonic seizures. Now here are the criteria for delirium. First, there is decreased attention and awareness. Second, there is disturbance in attention, awareness, memory, orientation, language, visuospatial ability, perception, or all of these abilities that is a change from the normal level and fluctuates in severity during the day. Third, there are disturbances in memory, orientation, language, visuospatial ability, or perception. And fourth, there is no evidence of coma or other evolving neurocognitive disorder. Now, the author notes that not all clinicians actually follow these diagnostic criteria And as such, it is difficult to assess the prevalence of alcohol withdrawal delirium. The best 
estimate of the prevalence of alcohol withdrawal delirium is that 3 to 5% of patients who are hospitalized for alcohol withdrawal will develop alcohol withdrawal delirium. The author moves on to share some additional details about delirium tremens. It usually begins about three days after the development of alcohol withdrawal symptoms. It can last anywhere from one day to eight days, but usually only lasts two days to three days. And it has a mortality rate of one to four percent in hospitalized patients. The most common cause of death are hyperthermia, cardiac arrhythmia, complications of seizures, or comorbid medical disorders. Now, before we move on to the treatment of delirium tremens, the author addresses what are the risk factors for the development of delirium tremens. It turns out there are a few things, and I will list them here. Recent withdrawal seizures, prior history of delirium tremens, older age, comorbid use of sedatives, and severe alcohol withdrawal. And again, you would be able to know that the withdrawal is severe based on high CEWA scores. Additionally, severe electrolyte disturbances such as hypokalemia and hypomagnesemia, as well as thrombocytopenia in a patient with acute alcohol withdrawal may be predictive of the development of delirium tremens. And finally, patients with acute alcohol withdrawal who have comorbid respiratory, cardiac, or gastrointestinal illness are at increased risk of developing delirium tremens. And here the author moves on to the treatment of delirium tremens. And I love the opening statement of this section, quote, the best approach to the prevention of withdrawal delirium is the identification and treatment of pre-existing concomitant medical problems and withdrawal syndrome, end quote. Meaning the best treatment for delirium tremens is to treat alcohol withdrawal early and aggressively to prevent delirium tremens from developing in the first place. The author moves on to discuss the treatment of delirium tremens when it does develop. The author notes that there is little research on this topic, but that he reviewed the scant literature on the topic to come up with some general treatment recommendations. At the highest level, there are three goals to treating delirium tremens. Managing agitation, reducing the risk of seizures, and managing comorbid medical conditions. Most cases are treated in the intensive care unit. The author moves on to provide some more specific recommendations. First, address the delirium. Management of the delirium here is the same as for any patient with delirium from any cause. Reorient the patient to time, date, and place. Treat the patient in a well-lit room and try to restore the sleep-wake cycle. Second, treat the patient empirically with thiamine to avoid precipitating Wernicke's encephalopathy or thiamine-related cardiomyopathy. The author recommends 500 milligrams of thiamine daily or twice daily for three days. And third, treat alcohol withdrawal. The author recommends benzodiazepines as first line and recommends benzodiazepines with a long half-life, such as diazepam, as first line agents. 
The author further notes that the doses needed to control agitation and withdrawal can vary markedly between patients and may be impressively high, such as up to 2,000 milligrams of diazepam in the first two days in some patients. In Table 3 of the article, the author actually provides some specific benzodiazepine dosing regimens for how to approach the patient with delirium tremens. The basic summary is that patients need frequent dosing of benzodiazepines, followed by frequent reassessment to see how they responded to the dose, followed by repeat dosing if withdrawal symptoms are not improved. Here's an example of one regimen. Give 10 to 20 milligrams of oral diazepam every one to four hours as needed to control withdrawal symptoms. Here's another example of a regimen. Start with 5 milligrams of diazepam IV. Reassess in 10 minutes. If not improved, repeat the dose. Reassess in 10 minutes. If not improved, give 10 milligrams of diazepam IV. Reassess in 10 minutes. If not improved, repeat the dose. Reassess in 10 minutes. If not improved, give 20 milligrams of diazepam IV. Continue to reassess and provide 5 to 20 milligrams of diazepam IV per hour until the patient is improved. And given those doses of diazepam, you can clearly see why ICU management is needed. The patient may need to be intubated. Now, what is the target we are shooting for when titrating these doses up? The author notes that the goal is to get the patient to a lightly dosing but arousable state. The author moves on to the use of second-line treatments. The author notes that phenobarbital can be used on the first day of treatment with doses up to 1,500 milligrams to control withdrawal. For a review of phenobarbital for alcohol withdrawal, check out episode 21 of this podcast. Again, there's not a lot of science here, so my interpretation of this is that you could start by treating patients with benzos, plus or minus phenobarbital, but given the very long half-life of phenobarbital, the author only recommends it on the first day. The author moves on to mention that carbamazepine could be used as an adjunct therapy for delirium tremens, but doesn't really mention much more than that. And for patients who are refractory to other therapies, we have propofol and dexmedetomidine. For patients who need these therapies, they should probably be intubated given the severity of their illness and the large amounts of sedative medications being used. The author concludes the treatment section of the article by mentioning that antipsychotics can also be used as adjunct therapy to manage agitation or hallucinations. The author recommends haloperidol or other antipsychotic medications at standard doses for agitation or hallucinations. We just have to be careful with the potential for QT prolongation given the risk of hypokalemia or hypomagnesemia with alcohol withdrawal. And we have to be careful to monitor for oversedation since we are mixing antipsychotics with other sedating medications. And that is the end of the first article. I thought it was a pretty good overview of delirium tremens. I found a few more articles that brought up some good points that I thought were worth including. Let's start with an article from the journal Acta Psychiatric Scandinavica in 2019 by H.J. Sorensen and colleagues entitled Alcohol and Delirium Tremens, Effects of Average Number of Drinks Per Day and Beverage Type. 
they looked at 3,582 patients with alcohol dependence and tried to determine if the number of drinks per day or the type of drink increased the risk of delirium tremens. And the answer was yes. Drinking more than 20 beverages per day and drinking only distilled spirits were both associated with an increased risk of delirium tremens. Another good article on the topic was published in the Journal of Clinical and Experimental Hepatology in 2018 entitled, Delirium Tremens Assessment and Management. The first author, and I gotta say I love this name, is Sandeep Grover. The authors of this paper outline a slightly different approach to the treatment of delirium tremens, which I found helpful. They recommend treatment of delirium tremens with benzodiazepines as first line. Patients who are still symptomatic despite large doses of benzodiazepines are considered to have refractory delirium tremens. An example of a patient with refractory delirium tremens would be a patient who is still very symptomatic despite 200 milligrams or more of diazepam in the first three hours of treatment or 400 milligrams of diazepam in the first eight hours of treatment. And again, the authors here are trying to get the patient to a lightly dosing but arousable state. The authors then outline the following stepwise approach to refractory delirium tremens. Step one, phenobarbital. Provide boluses of 60 milligrams of IV phenobarbital every 15 minutes. The authors do not specify how many doses they recommend, but if the patient is not improved with this regimen after several hours, you will need to move on to another agent. Step two, propofol. Start a propofol infusion at a dose of 0.3 to 1.25 mics per kilogram per hour. You can titrate up to a dose of four mics per kilo per hour. Given the risk of propofol infusion syndrome, the authors recommend only using propofol for up to 48 hours. And step three, if the patient is refractory to other agents outlined previously, then move on to dexmedetomidine. They recommend treating the patient at doses up to 0.7 mics per kilo per hour. Now, I did find a few other papers on the topic, but I think we've covered all the major points on this topic, so let's wrap this up with some take-home points. Number one, delirium tremens, also known as alcohol withdrawal delirium, is the most severe form of alcohol withdrawal. It is relatively uncommon and is poorly studied. Number two, delirium tremens is diagnosed when a patient has both severe alcohol withdrawal, and delirium. Number three, delirium tremens usually develops around three days after the cessation of alcohol use and the development of alcohol withdrawal symptoms. Number four, risk factors for the development of delirium tremens in patients with acute alcohol withdrawal include recent withdrawal seizures, prior history of delirium tremens, older age, comorbid use of sedatives, severe alcohol withdrawal, consuming more than 20 drinks per day, drinking only distilled spirits, severe electrolyte disturbances, and comorbid cardiac, gastrointestinal, or respiratory illness. Number five, 
the best treatment for delirium tremens is early and aggressive treatment of alcohol withdrawal to prevent the development of delirium tremens. Number six, when patients do develop delirium tremens, there are three basic aspects to treatment. Manage delirium, manage alcohol withdrawal, and manage comorbid medical illnesses. Number seven, when treating the alcohol withdrawal aspect of delirium tremens, benzodiazepines are first-line treatment. Dose the patient frequently and aggressively, and the goal is to get the patient to a lightly dosing but arousable state. Number eight, for refractory cases of delirium tremens, other medications that may be needed to control withdrawal symptoms and agitation include phenobarbital, propofol, dexmedetomidine, and antipsychotics. And number nine, given the massive doses of sedating medications that are needed to treat delirium tremens, patients may need intubation and are most often managed in the intensive care unit. And that almost wraps up this episode. One final point. If you recall from episode 25 of this podcast on kindling in alcohol withdrawal, each successive episode of alcohol withdrawal after a return to drinking will be as severe or more severe than previous episodes. Once patients with delirium tremens are stabilized, they need aggressive treatment for their alcohol use disorder. If they return to alcohol again and develop dependence again, they will likely develop delirium tremens again. This is my two cents here, but patients who are treated for delirium tremens should be counseled that they can never drink alcohol again due to the risk of severe and life-threatening withdrawal. Okay, that's finally the end. Thank you for listening and thank you for what you do. Please share this podcast with a colleague so we as medical providers, can do more to treat addiction. And don't forget, treating substance use disorders saves lives.